What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 36 of Rookie Mistakes. It is Monday, February 18th. And on today's episode, we are going to be doing a travel guide for London. London is the first place that I visited on my whole journey. And I thought I would change it up a little bit. I've never done this before. I thought it would be cool to give a rough idea of how much it would cost to do a trip to London because I think my misconception before I started traveling was I thought that it was really expensive and it can get pricey depending on where you're going and then whether or not you're willing to sacrifice different aspects of the trip. That could be where you're staying or what kind of food you're eating, what you're seeing, all these different things, right? It could get more expensive or it could be less expensive. So I just crunched the numbers really quickly and for a trip to London, you could get away with going there for a week for less than $1,000 if you're by yourself, let's just say. And then if you wanna go with someone else, just obviously multiply that potentially. Maybe you'll end up saving costs with your living situation on the trip if you were staying with someone because then you can split the price. But I thought that wasn't that bad. My ticket going to London was $180, which was the cheapest ticket I have ever paid for. I was also flying Virgin Atlantic, which was the nicest flight that I had in all of my travels as well. So that was an absolute steal. I think I booked the ticket three months or so in advance. And just to give a little perspective, getting back from Japan, booking that two and a half months in advance, it still cost me almost $1,000 just for the ticket back to Los Angeles. So that should give you a little bit of idea of how really cheap it is to actually get to London if you're from the US. Looking right now, I did on skyscanner.com. That's where you're gonna wanna buy tickets from. You should always buy tickets from there. It gives you the cheapest prices based on the day, which is a cool little feature that a lot of sites don't have. You can see for the whole month, you can see all the different ticket prices based on the destination that you in inputted. So to go to London from Los Angeles, March 19th to the 26th, it's $434 for a round trip. Both flights are nonstop. It's Finnair, so that is a pretty good airline. It's operated by British Airways. So yeah, that would be good. And then if you're willing to stay in a hostel, that's like 30 bucks a night. I just looked that up as well. It's pretty funny. The hostel I looked at, it's called Wombat Hostel in London. And I was looking through the pictures and they actually have Charlie Sheen of all people in the photos. So at some point they paid him to pose in all these different photos because if you look at it, it's Wombat City Hostel London. If you look it up, he's in multiple photos with the kids. They have him playing ping pong and then him cooking food. Apparently he's some sort of chef maybe. I don't even know, but I think that's just hilarious. It's 30 bucks a night. So that's what, that's two, 10 for seven nights. And then food, just think 30 bucks a day. That's another 210. And then the nice thing about London is a lot of the major sites that you're gonna wanna check out, they're free. So you don't have to spend that much money when it comes to seeing the things. So you could easily for under a thousand dollars get a one week trip to London. So I think that's just a good way of showing you that it is possible to travel pretty cheap, obviously. A lot of people aren't going to have a thousand dollars to just, you know, throw around. But if you happen to have some money and you're looking for a trip, London's definitely an option. So as always, let's get in to this travel guide. We're going to start off with the food. My favorite thing about London, the misconception I had with London, and I think a misconception for a lot of people 
with England in, in general is that the food is awful. And I was pleasantly surprised about the food because there's so many varieties of cultures in London that the food scene is actually really good. I will say English food itself, I think is pretty awful. It's bland and not very good. There's not many options. Some things are good, but most of the stuff isn't good. But because there's such a great food scene, there's such good Indian food, they have Italian food, they really have anything. It's a lot like Los Angeles with the fact that there's such a hot pot of, you know, people that end up immigrating to England and then being in London. So there are so many options. The first place I would recommend you go to, and this is a place that you could check out very easily after visiting the Tower of London. It's called Amelia's Handcrafted Pasta. It's Italian pasta, a little bit pricey based on the portion size. I think it ended up being maybe 12 to 14 pounds for a dish, but it was delicious pasta. I loved it. And like I said, it's right next to the Tower of London. You can literally walk. I think it's like a five to 10 minute walk there and small little place, but really good food. So that is an option to you after visiting the Tower of London. The next place I'd recommend, and this is where you can get your little English fix where you can try some of the you know traditional English dishes they have. This place is meat pies. And I must say that meat pies, oh, I love pie in general dessert pies and meat pies are just as good. I could eat them every day for the rest of my life. A meat pie with gravy on the side and then you just dump the gravy all over the meat pie. It's the greatest thing in the world. I love it. Oh, just thinking about it makes me so hungry. This place is called Pie Berry Corner. It's B-U-R-Y for the berry part and it is a place where they have I think two other restaurants throughout London. And what I would recommend for you to get, this is one of the greatest things I've ever had in my life, was a steak and Guinness pie. I haven't had Guinness itself, but having it within the pie, the flavor, it was so heavenly. I loved it so much. So I got that and then a lamb and mint pie with sides of gravy for both pies. And it was heavenly. One of my favorite meals. And that is a traditional English thing. So definitely check that place out. Pizza Pilgrim's Soho. This is another place. They have multiple restaurants in London, but I went to the one in Soho because I was there a lot of the time. Soho and Oxford Street, these are really, really popular places to see. And then they're also great for shopping. And so pop into Pizza Pilgrim's if you're feeling a pizza. It's Italian pizza. So it's Neapolitan pizza. I got, I think, a margarita pizza with buffalo mozzarella. Not the normal stuff, the buffalo one. And that was really good too. Easy, quick meal. Definitely get that if you want pizza. I would recommend that. The fourth place I'd recommend to you, East Street Restaurant. If you're going to go to any of these places I recommend, I'd say go here. I love this place. It's an Asian fusion restaurant. They have Japanese, Chinese, Thai food. They had Indonesian food. Really sweet interior. It had the, I think it had a, a Thai vibe to it, to be honest. There's a lot of things hanging from the ceilings. And then there's a bunch of colors as well. It was just a really cool interior for a restaurant. And the food's amazing. I had chicken katsu curry. So tonkatsu curry is, you know, a dish that's really popular in Japan. And that's pork. Whereas the chicken katsu curry, same thing, just chicken. If you're going to get one thing, you need to get this for dessert. I'm telling you, 
the banana fritters with cinnamon ice cream and then a nice slice of lime on the side. The combination of lime with cinnamon ice cream and then the banana fritters, it's like a tempura banana. It's fried. Heavenly, one of the best desserts I had in my travels. Absolutely loved it. The fifth place I'd recommend, and this one's a really chill quick lunch you could do or even dinner it's very cheap i really liked the system that they had there it was one of those places where you get a card at the beginning when you walk in pretty much like a credit card and then you go up to the different stations they have depending on whether or not you want pizza or pasta they have salads as well this is an italian place it's called va piano and you give them your card they swipe it based on whatever you got and then they cook it in front of you you take it and then you go sit down wherever you want very good portion size. It's cheap, like I said. If you go and visit the Tate Modern, you can go to this place for lunch. It is another place. There's multiple restaurants throughout London, but for the Tate Modern, if you go there, then definitely check out this place. The last place I'd recommend to you that I actually went to was Pret-a-Manger, and that is, if you listened to the episode with Paris, that is a place in Paris as well. It's a chain restaurant. It's really cheap. It's simple. They have pre-prepared sandwiches. They have soups. There's fruits, coffee, salads. They have fruit parfaits. I think they have acai bowls as well in some of them. It depends which ones you go to, but those are all throughout London. And that's a great option if you need to just pop in somewhere and kill a little bit of time or if you're tired from sightseeing throughout the day. That's a great place to go. You can charge your electronics. They have Wi-Fi. You can just chill on there, eat a little small snack if you're not hungry. And if you're trying to save money, that's also definitely a place you want to check out. You can also just pop in there, get one of the pre-prepared sandwiches pop out, go somewhere, then, you know, go sit down in one of the parks maybe and eat a lunch. That's also a great option. As far as Indian food goes, Indian food's really popular in London. And I actually did not eat any Indian food in London. I wish I did. I ended up eating it in Scotland instead, which is funny because like I said, India or Indian food is really popular in London. So I did a little bit of research and the places that I would recommend the places that kept coming up as far as Indian food goes in London was Dishoom, which is D-I-S-H-O-O-M, Masala Zone Soho, so that's another Indian restaurant in Soho, and then Roti Chai, that's R-O-T-I, and then C-H-A-I. If I had to choose one of them just based on my style of eating and the kinds of places I like to go to, I would check out Roti Chai if you want Indian food. Kind of cool with this place. They have a street food part of the restaurant and then they have a dining part of the restaurant. So the dining part obviously is more expensive. The street food is less expensive and it's more chill. And I was looking at the photos of the street food portion of the restaurant and it looked really good. And then if you look at the menu, they have a lot of cool little options available as well. So if I were to go back to London, I definitely would go to this roti chai place and I would go to the street for I would go to the street food part of the restaurant. If you're in love with Five Guys, maybe it's your favorite burger joint. For those that don't know, it's a chain restaurant in the U.S. for burgers. They have Five Guys actually in London, so that's always an option as well if you need a burger and you're missing the American food. So getting into the sites now, some of the things I missed out on that are really popular in London, there is a lot to see. There's a rich history, obviously, with England and especially with London, so... 
There is a ton, a ton, a ton of things to see. Like I said before in the beginning of the episode, a lot of the stuff is free, but then a lot of the stuff as well is actually pretty expensive. So there was a lot of things that I missed out on that I would love to go back to London and do it. So one of the cool little things that I didn't get to do, but I wish I got to do this. They have a building in London called the Shard. It's this gigantic skyscraper and it gives you a 360 degree view of London. You order your tickets online. It's a timed entry on a specific day that you choose. And then you just show up. The tickets, I believe, are 32 pounds. And you just get to stay up there. I think there is a bar on the level as well. So it's just a cool little thing to do if you're especially a photographer or you just like to see a really good view of a city, then this is definitely something you want to check out. The British Museum, obviously one of the best museums in the world. It is, I'd say, the one thing that you definitely want to check out if you're in London. I wouldn't do a tour personally. The thing with the British Museum is that it's so freaking big that it is really hard to see everything. I remember before I went, I kept hearing from people about how you can't even get through the British Museum in an entire day. And I don't know if I saw everything, but I'm pretty sure I saw most of everything. And it took me um, three to four hours to see all of the things. I'm the type of person in the museum. I don't like to stop and think, you know, I don't like to ponder the meaning behind every single thing for 10 minutes and then I move on to the next thing. I just walk through and look at everything and then if something catches my eye, I'll stop and really take it in more. But other than that, I'm just moving, I'm going along with it. So you can get through that in but less than a day easily. Maybe you wanna go back and see it again. It is free, so there is no entry fee. If you do wanna do a tour though, that's obviously gonna cost you and then the exhibitions as well. If there's any exhibitions going on, you generally have to pay for those. So that's something you're just gonna have to check out on the website, the third place I'd recommend is the National Gallery, and this is right next to the Trafalgar Square. So that is something you can kill two birds with one stone because it is a great thing to see, the Trafalgar Square. And then you go into the museum after that. The National Gallery has a lot of great things to see. That's another one that's free. So if you're into art, you'll want to check that place out. I remember seeing a ton, a ton of French people actually in the National Gallery. It was really interesting to me. Most of the foreigners, it seemed like, were French. I don't know if that just happened to be during the time with which I went. The Natural History Museum, this is something I didn't get to see, but I wish I did if I go back to London. Definitely going to check this place out. Once again, it's free. And then the building on the inside is really amazing. It's really amazing architecture. So that's something I would check out. Buckingham Palace is another popular site in London and it's really expensive. It's one of the most expensive sites I think that you could see. It's 85 euros or not 85 euros. I have to, I always do that. I always confuse euros with pounds, but it's 85 pounds. Remember that 85 pounds, not euros. And the pound is worth more than the euro. So always remember that or else you're going to be a little bit upset because when you convert that currency, it's not going to be as valuable. Whatever currency, if you're like the dollar, for example, it's not going to be as good as a situation as if you were using euros instead of pounds. So Buckingham Palace, you can enter the states room. I think it is seasonal. So there are times depending on when you visit where you won't be able to go inside of Buckingham Palace. I personally didn't go inside the palace. I think I was there at the time where you couldn't 
go in and I just took photos from the outside. I got to see the changing of the guard, so that was cool. I don't think I'd necessarily recommend going in Buckingham Palace. I think just seeing it from the outside is pretty worth it. And then with Buckingham Palace, you can also visit Hyde and St. James Park. Hyde Park is humongous, so just bear that in mind, but Hyde and St. James Park are right next to each other, and then that's how you could walk through, I think, Hyde Park to get to Buckingham Palace. That is an option, so keep that in mind if you enjoy parks. The next place, the Palace of Westminster. This is another one I did not end up going to. I just viewed it from the outside. It is the Parliament Building in London. They have guided tours to go inside for 26 pounds a person on Saturdays. And then they also had them Wednesdays and Fridays or Wednesdays to Fridays. But those once again were seasonal. So you could only do those for a certain time frame. So if you're not going during the time that it's open during the, the week, then you're just going to have to go on a Saturday if that's something you're going to want to see. Westminster Abbey is the church right next to the Palace of Westminster as well. That I didn't go in either. And I don't know why, looking back on it, I didn't go in so many of these things because yeah, they cost money, but they weren't super expensive. I think I was a lot more tight with my money when I first started traveling, which is funny to me because I started to loosen up more definitely as I traveled more. But it's only 20 pounds actually to book a ticket to go inside Westminster Abbey. So that's not that bad at all, honestly. Looking back on it now, I definitely wish I did that. If you want to do a fast track entry into the Abbey, then it's 22 pounds. St. Paul's Cathedral, this is another one that is just a cool little thing to see if you're into seeing different cathedrals throughout Europe. If that's your thing, then you're going to want to visit St. Paul's Cathedral. I didn't go, but I definitely recommend going if you can. One of the other places that I went, this was another museum, the Tate Modern. It's a free contemporary art museum. There weren't a lot of paintings, but there's a lot of cool little things they have inside, a lot of display art, and then there is a rooftop that you can actually walk out onto, so you get a 360-degree view of where that's at. Like I said before, too, you can go to Vapiano afterwards for lunch if you visit the Tate Modern. Shakespeare's Globe is also right next to the Tate Modern, so if you're a huge Shakespeare's fan and you want to go to the Globe, well, then that is where... You can check out after the globe. There are a million other things, like I said, that you can do in London. My brother actually and my mom, they went to London for New Year's. And one of the things that my brother did, he went to visit Stonehenge. So that's something you can do, but that's a day trip and that makes things a lot more complicated. So just keep that in mind. The Roman baths in Bath, England, that's also another thing that is pretty popular. And that would be another day trip to do that as well. So keep that in mind. And then... The one other thing that is popular, if I remember correctly, is seeing Windsor Castle. And that, once again, is another day trip. Is it super far from London? No, but you're definitely going to have to take a whole day just to do the whole getting there, getting back, and then seeing it. So I don't necessarily recommend, unless these three places are things that you really, really want to see, I wouldn't recommend doing that, especially if in the future you want to go back to London maybe you'll go more than once, then those are things you can throw in there because those are going to cost a lot more money to, you know, pay for the transportation and then paying for actually going there. Windsor Castle, for example, not that bad. It's only 22 and a half pounds. So that's not terrible. That's for an adult ticket, but you will have to travel there. So bear that in mind. 
What other things can I tell you as far as London sites? Wow, the Tower of London, totally forgot that one. That would be one have to have to go to. I don't remember how much it costs. I don't think it's anything ridiculous, but you're gonna wanna go there and that's where you go to see the Queen's Jewels. You cannot take photos or video, unfortunately, when you're walking through, so bear that in mind. I always like when there are places you go when you're traveling. There's certain places where it says no photos or people will tell you no photos and there's always people watching out, right, to see that. I think another great example is in Venice. To see the Basilica there, you aren't supposed to take any photos or video when you're inside. And there's always that one person that just wants to go for it and tries it out. I can tell you for the Basilica in Venice, Everyone tried taking photos and still, you know, just didn't really listen. And it wasn't really enforced. It wasn't like there was people working there telling them to stop taking photos or anything like that. But I will say in the Tower of London, there were a couple of brave souls that tried to take photos of the Queen's Jewels and they got yelled at and that was just a big no-no. So don't even try it. It's not worth it. And then you'll have an enjoyable time at the Tower of London. The last major thing, like major, major thing that you're gonna probably wanna do is going on the London Eye. That is just a gigantic Ferris wheel right next to Westminster that you can get a great view of the Thames River. So I recommend that highly. What I will say about the London Eye, this is another one where you buy your ticket and there is a timed entry and they also have fast passes available. I don't think it's worth spending the extra money on the fast pass depending on when you go. If you go for the sunset or like later in the day during the week, I think you're going to be able to get away with not getting a fast pass because from my experience there is absolutely no line. That's towards the end of the day when there's not many times available left to go on the London Eye, but there really are no people, so you can get away with not having to buy a fast pass ticket on the London Eye. One other thing that's really popular in London and what London is known for is the plays and then the musicals. There's the Royal Opera House and then the London Theater. Some of the musicals in London that are available, just like in many other parts of the world, they have Lion King, The Book of Mormon, Aladdin, Wicked, Mamma Mia, The Phantom of the Opera, School of Rock, Chicago, and Les Mis. They have all the major musicals. My brother did go to one of the musicals. I don't remember which one it was, but when they were in London, they did visit. So that is something you can definitely check out. That is near Piccadilly Circus. Piccadilly Circus is right near Westminster as well. And that's where they have the giant screens on the buildings, a lot like Times Square, same idea, but in London, that's where all the plays and musicals are at around in that area. How I would break this all up if I were to do it again as far as seeing everything goes. Let's say you have a week in London. So we'll just say six full days. First full day, I'd go to the British Museum because on your first full day, you're going to be dealing with jet lag. You're not going to be wanting to do a ton of stuff. And I think the British Museum is a nice thing that isn't stressful. It's free. You can kind of warm up to London and it is a cool thing to see. You can sit down and relax at some part of the museum. There's food as well. They have restaurants in there. So it's a nice little chill day and it gets you settled into being in London. 
The second day I do the Palace of Westminster and then Westminster Abbey. You can also throw in the London Eye as well with that. So that is all in the same area. So you're not going to have to be jumping around everywhere. The third day to mix it up again, I'd see the National Art Gallery and then Trafalgar Square. And then fourth day, I'd go, if you want to see Hyde Park and St. James Park, you do that with Buckingham Palace. And those are all tied together. And then... The fifth day, you could either do any of the remaining museums that you're interested in. So depending if you want to see the Natural History Museum or the Tate Modern, you could do that. And then the Shard, if you're wanting to do that as well, if you want to see the view, I would just throw that in on one of the nights of one any of these days. If you do want to do a day trip, depending on what you're interested in, if it is Windsor Castle or Stonehenge or the Roman Baths, then I would do that on your sixth day maybe even do it on your fifth day and then reverse the order so what i said to do on your fifth day you do it on your sixth day so you're not really getting a really rough day where you're traveling outside of london before your flight on the seventh day so that's just a sample of what you can do as far as shopping goes shopping's amazing in london the brands they have in london and the stores the department stores Oxford Street, Soho, Covent Gardens. This is a great, great city to shop in. Those are the three places you're going to want to check out if you're into shopping. The street markets as well are really good in London, and there are a ton of them to go to. I only went to the Brick Lane Market, which is a market that they have on Sundays only, so keep that in mind. Another little cool thing you can do if you're into street art You could go to the Brick Lane Market on Sunday and then they have a area of London. It's called Shoreditch. And in Shoreditch, they have a lot of really cool street art to check out all over the walls everywhere. So those are two things you can do together. They're right next to each other. Definitely check that out. Like I said, if you want to see some street art, there are a million different places to go in London for street art. But that's one of the really cool ones is Shoreditch. Transportation in London. I really struggled in London with the transportation, the amount of times I got lost or had to get off a bus because I was going the wrong way or getting lost in the tube, trying to figure out what rail I needed to take. It was very stressful for me. And I would say a lot of that just had to do with the fact that I had never ridden public transportation before and then also doing it in a foreign country especially doing it in a place like London, where it is a very, very confusing and humongous system of transportation, a lot like New York, I would think. I struggled a lot, and I didn't know about this app until after the fact, after I had gone to London, I had discovered this app in a different country, but this app will save your life when it comes to transportation. It makes figuring out transportation in countries really easy. So Download this app if you're going to London. It's called City Mapper. And what you do is you just enter your destination. And what it does for you is it will tell you what line you need to take using the tube or what bus you need to take. And it then gives you also the times at which they stop. So it makes it really easy to figure things out. Google Maps does a very similar thing to that. But Google Maps, especially in London... A lot of the information didn't seem accurate to me, so it was really confusing. So use CityMapper if you're going to be getting around using public transportation. What's available to you, there's the buses, they have the tube, which is the underground 
metro they have above ground trains as well and then you can take taxis there is uber as well so that's always an option but i definitely think you should just take public transportation it's pretty sophisticated it goes everywhere throughout london so it's easy to get around that way one thing to keep in mind with sundays in london everything is closed in general like it's really hard to find stuff that's open when that comes to you know like restaurants and then also i think the public transportation on sundays it stops early so that's something you want to remember if you happen to be in london on a sunday what you're going to want to do as far as paying for transportation really easy it's called an Oyster card. It's just a card you get where you put money on it and then you just swipe the card depending on what transportation you're using. They have visitor Oyster cards and then they have Oyster cards for like people that actually live in London. It's just called a regular Oyster card. And I don't really know the difference. It didn't really seem like there was much of a difference. I looked at my Oyster card and it didn't say anything about it being visitor. It just said Oyster card on it. It's five pounds, I think, for the Oyster card. What you can do is once you get into the airport in London, hopefully you're flying into Heathrow Airport, you just go to the visitor center help desk, wherever that is in the airport, and then you can buy an Oyster card there. And then once you need to go to the trains, you can just, you know, go to one of the vending machines and put money on the card. Really simple, makes life easy. I read that you don't want an Oyster card if you're staying there more than seven days because there, I think, are cheaper options where you could save money if you're visiting just a little longer than a week. But I think if you're in that week range to, you know, like that five to seven day range being in London, definitely want an Oyster card. It's the way to go. Another nice little feature with the Oyster cards is if you have money left over on it, let's say, when you're about to leave to go back to where you're from, you can actually take the money off of the card and get the money in pounds back. So you can get your money refunded. You don't have to worry about spending the money. I know that was something that in a lot of the countries I went to, I would always just try and calculate all the money up. And I was really cognizant of that when I was traveling and I was about to leave a country. But in London, it's nice because you can just get your money back. You don't have to worry about anything like that. If you do want a SIM card in London, let's say you're like me and you can't live without data and you don't want to deal with that 500 megabyte or 100 megabyte plans that a lot of the US carriers have or just a lot of carriers in general. They have really bad plans. I don't understand how people can go without data. It just shows, I suppose, how attached I am to my phone. But one of the cooler mobile networks, one of the better ones throughout my travels that I used, one of the really easy ones, this is called GIFGAF, and it's an English brand. The plans they have available, let me just read some of these to you. It's actually ridiculous, the prices that they have. So you can get 20 gigabytes of data, unlimited minutes, unlimited texts. It's a month, right? You just, there's no contracts or anything. You can just get the SIM card. It's only 20 pounds for that much data. I think that's absolutely a steal. Really, really amazing. I don't think you're gonna need 20 gigabytes of data, but I would have done that if I was to do it all over again. I think the reason why I use so much data is because I relied heavily on 
using my phone for getting around using transportation, like figuring out where I needed to go. I relied heavily on using the data. So I needed more data. I think I got the eight gig plan. So I had eight gigabytes for 15 pounds and then they have four gigabytes for 12 pounds. These are both unlimited minutes and texts. So I think you should definitely do that if you want to have data, definitely use GIFGAF. The only problem with GIFGAF, and pay attention here because you're gonna be bummed out if you do wanna use GIFGAF but you don't do this. There are no GIFGAF stores. It's only an online thing. So because you're not from England most likely, you're gonna need to get the SIM card shipped to you before you leave for your trip. So that's easy to do as long as you do it but you have to do that or else you're not going to be able to do gift gaff because how are you going to get it shipped to you? Could you probably do it in London? Sure, but it's going to be annoying. So you're going to want to order it beforehand. It only takes five business days to have it shipped from England to anywhere else in the world for Europe. If you're in a European country, it only takes three business days. And I would imagine because you're only getting a SIM card, it didn't say anywhere how much the shipping cost is, but I think it's probably not that bad. So I highly, highly recommend GIFGAF if you don't need much data, but you still want to have options just in case of an emergency. It's five pounds for their most basic plan. It's 500 megabytes of data, 150 minutes talking, 500 texts. And this is not including roaming. I think it works differently. So you're going to have to read about that. Most of the other data plans that I had when in my travels, they're around 40 US dollars or so, 40 to 45. And it was for unlimited data. And GIFCAF actually has an always on data plan too. So it is unlimited for 25 pounds. So that also is really competitive, right? One app I'd recommend to you guys, besides using CityMapper, if you actually wanna just see what the tube map looks like, and have that available to you. It shows you all the tube routes. You can get an app, it's called Tube Map, and that will just show what you would see basically in the underground where it shows that huge map. That's basically an online version that you can just look at. So that's available to you if you're the type of person that can actually just look at a map and figure out where you need to go and you don't need to use like Google Maps or City Mapper like I needed to. That's always an option for you as well. As far as tips go for the trip, I was in London from March 2nd to the 6th, and then I left on the 7th. I said in the beginning of the episode, seven days as a sample for how long you could be there and how much it would cost. I think seven days is definitely a good amount. I, like I said, missed a lot of things and being there for five full days like I was, that wasn't enough time to see everything. Did I see most of the things and was I satisfied? Yes, but you don't, but I definitely think seven days would have been a lot nicer. For dressing up the clothes, London, I'd say, is one of the best dressed cities in the entire world. I think my favorite places as far as the people and how they were dressed, like how fashionable and just how put together they were. I think the best was London, Korea, and Japan. Those definitely, I think, have the best fashion, at least in my opinion. So yeah, they're pretty fashionable in London and like I said, it's more like they're they're just really put together. I think for us Americans, we are very into loungewear and wearing sweatpants and wearing athletic clothes basically anywhere 
like girls love to wear yoga pants out shopping and like guys will wear, you know, like the Nike athletic pants or whatever. We're just very about comfort. And it's not like that at all. In London, everyone's always wearing jeans and boots. That's the thing. Everyone wears neutral colors as well. I really liked what everyone was wearing. For shoes, Doc Martens are a really popular brand. You'll see those everywhere. Canada Goose for jackets, that's really popular as well. And everyone just wears really like solid clothing. It doesn't, it's not necessarily all expensive, but like the colors match. No one's really sticking out. No one looks like a slob. Everyone's got clothes that fit them well. And like I said, everyone's wearing boots and just jeans and then like nice jackets. The men all dress well, the women dress well. It's not like it is in the US, which is just a mess. Like you have, you know, you see people some days they're just wearing like five different color combinations. It doesn't work. Yeah, in London, it's not like that at all. So I don't recommend. Does it matter in the long run? Not really. But if you don't want to stick out like a tourist, I would wear neutral colors when you're in London. And then baseball hats and things like that are not worn. I don't even think I really saw any baseball caps anywhere in London. Beanies at the most, I would say. And... For drinking water, the tap water, which is a very foreign idea to me, I've never really drank in tap water because in the US, it's not really safe to drink tap water, right? As we know, I'm sure plenty of people do it, but you kind of want to shy away from that. Everyone kept telling me how it's safe to drink the tap water in England, and I was hesitant to do it, but I did end up actually drinking tap water throughout my whole trip when it came to like restaurants and stuff, so... If you're not looking to actually drink something and you just want water, just make sure to tell them you want tap water and it's perfectly okay. It tastes fine. So in all the restaurants you go to, tap water is a-okay. Now the pros and cons of London. What did I like and what didn't I like? One of my favorite things about London was the street performers. There's so many different street performers throughout London. Some of the Big places to see them are right outside the London Eye. There's a lot of street performers there. There's some by the Tate Modern as well. Piccadilly Circus is another place you'll see a bunch of them. And just honestly, on like random street corners, you'll just see people either playing instruments or singing. It is amazing. It's an amazing city for street performers and singers. If you actually want to look up one of the more popular street performing duos in London. I discovered them after the fact of being in London, so I didn't get the opportunity to see them, but maybe if you're in London, you can try and find them. Maybe even they have where they usually are, but the guy's name is Ren, and then he does a lot of collabs with this guy named Sam Tompkins. So if you just do R-E-N on YouTube, you can see their videos. There's a couple videos with a million views, and it's just them doing different songs they do covers of songs out on the streets and they're really really good they have amazing voices it's kind of funny because in some of the videos they're like they just go back and forth right with songs so one of them will do a like minute or two of a song and then the other one will go with a different song and in one of the videos they're smoking cigarettes in between and it's just it just i don't know it's like you get a you get a gift from God with your voice, right? And it's like you're freaking smoking a cigarette and not taking care of your voice and taking it for granted. But you know what? I rest I rest my case. That is another thing. I guess this is a thing that I didn't like about London. So many people smoke. The amount of teens that I saw smoking was very surprising to me. Not something I've really seen before. I definitely saw a few 14-year-olds, probably that 13 to 15 age range, smoking cigarettes. That was new for me. A little new experience. What else did I like? The... 
culture is obviously very rich. The architecture, it is, it is a place with a lot of history and very much like a place like Italy, for example, there's just so much history that you can see, which is very foreign if you're from the U.S. because we're such a young nation to be able to go to places and see like just this really different architecture and these really amazing, beautiful places. That was a lot of fun for me and I really enjoyed it. Another pro was the food said it before wasn't expecting the food to be good but it was surprisingly really good london definitely gets a bad rap but it is very good very very good the restaurants prepared food very fast that was surprising it was a very very quick and efficient experience on the flip side of that though servers at restaurants are pretty awful in my experience paying your bill takes forever and i think that's just because It is a different style of dining compared to the U.S. In the U.S., servers are a lot more attentive, whereas in London and really honestly throughout the rest of the world, in my experiences, they're a lot more just hands off. And that is kind of nice in a way because you don't always have someone like in your face like, oh, do you need this? Do you need that? But that makes it so you have to be more aggressive in the fact of like asking for your check or trying to figure out what you need to do some places you pay up front and some places you pay after so just remember to ask for your bill or you'll literally be waiting like an hour after you're done eating just like oh is this person ever going to be it's almost like a dance like is this person going to come and ask me for the bill or am i going to have to ask them so just be the one to ask for the bill and you're not going to have to waste any time As far as the people go in London and my mom and brother like have been to London twice now and I think they have a little different take on this but it just felt like to me and I don't think this is true of England in general I think it's maybe just London and a lot of people will say the same thing with France where the people in Paris are really different from people in the rest of France and even people in the outskirts of France or in in different places. They'll say like Parisianers are not very nice and they're kind of cold. I felt like in London, people were very, I don't really know how to describe it. Like I want to say standoffish and cold. I don't know if that's the right word, but it just, it just felt like they were indifferent. And I don't know if that's a thing with just Americans I know there's a lot of stigma with Americans being like really selfish or they're all about themselves or they're loud and all these different things, right? But I don't know. It just felt like to me with people in London, it almost seemed like they're just a little bit cold towards me. And I don't know if that's just because it was just me, right? As a person, maybe I'm an a-hole and I just don't know it. (laughs) I don't think that's the case, but maybe, or maybe just because I'm American, maybe the whole, you know, like our president and people just kind of automatically assume sometimes like you are representative of like the leader of your country they can just kind of apply that to you and so maybe that was it i mean he was just elected pretty much right when i had went to london so that was more of a hot button issue and people were kind of needing to adjust to that so maybe that's it i don't really know but i wasn't honestly a fan really of the people and it, it really is a shame because That was one of the two places where I went where they actually did speak my language. So you would think that would have been really nice being able to still speak the language and interact with people and just see how it's different and kind of just like learn about it. But I don't know. That was just my experience. I'm not saying that's going to be your experience. I did meet some 
people that were lovely, but for the most part, that's just the vibes I got. Not that it really bothered me or anything, but you know, what are you going to do? Another thing I really didn't like, and I just thought this was really interesting, was the amount of cameras they have in London. I'm not even kidding you with all the CCTV cameras. They're literally everywhere. It almost feels like there isn't a blind spot within the city where there isn't a camera. I know that makes somewhat of sense because of the past terrorist attacks and all that, right? That kind of like stepping up their security, but it literally felt like I was in an episode of Black Mirror almost, or like like the whole Big Brother is watching idea. What's that movie? V, yeah, v for, v for Vendetta. That's kind of how I felt. Every single bus, there's cameras and they have screens in the buses and you can literally just like watch the screen and you see yourself because that's the screen from the camera and you could just hey like look at yourself and wave and being from the u.s i think it was really interesting with the cameras everywhere because we really love our privacy in the u.s and we're very particular about the idea of having our privacy taken away from us think of all the things that have happened in the past whether it was edward snowden or like the the thing with facebook with them selling our data and just how much outrage there is around the idea of having phone taps or like cameras, whatever it may be. Right. But seeing all the cameras in London, it was just interesting to me because obviously does it make it safer? Probably. Right. But it also in a way it just, it was interesting to see that like, it didn't really seem to bother the people in London. And a lot of the people I talked to, it just seemed like, like I'd ask them like, oh, does it bother you that there's literally cameras everywhere? And they didn't seem to be bothered by that. So that was just, I thought that was just an interesting difference with, you know, me being from the US and just being in a different country. The transportation was a pain in the butt. I didn't, like I said, didn't really like that, but what are you going to do? That was my first country I was visiting. So if I had done it later in my trip, maybe I would have been better with the transportation. I think because they drive on the left side of the road, you want to be really careful with walking everywhere because not only do they drive on the left side of the road, but the streets are on opposite sides. Right. And so like, even if you're not driving ever, it's still weird to be walking on a sidewalk and like walking across the crosswalk because you think like oh i'm looking and i don't see any cars coming but you're looking the wrong way and then that's how you know if you end up going out into the middle of the street that's how you get hit by a car and i gotta tell you the bus drivers especially in london just from my experience they are super aggressive with driving there was a few times where I literally just, I thought the bus driver was going to run into someone. There was one instance where the guy, the bus driver, he was literally screaming at the guy walking across the street to get out of the way because like he didn't slow down. He just kept going faster. And then he like realized the guy wasn't, you know, going to like stop and wait for him to pass. So he's screaming like, get out of the way, get out of the way. And he almost hit him. So it was a very close call. So be very, very careful when crossing streets. Make sure you know which way you should be looking. I think a good tip in general, and this is what I did, was I just would cross the street when I saw other people doing it. And I'd also make sure that I was never on the end, whatever side it may be, of the crosswalk. I was always in the middle. 
So I had a better chance of reacting to something happening before getting hit. So just go with the crowd and then really be careful about crossing the street because it is a little bit of something you're going to need to get used to, like with the way that they drive and the way things are set up. So not a huge thing, but something to consider. And I believe, is that everything? I think that's everything for London. One little funny thing is that, like I mentioned, my mom and brother went to London for New Year's and I was really excited because I thought, hey, they're going back. And I was here and I did all these cool things. I had all these restaurants I went to, right? And I really felt like I knew where they should go because I know my brother missed out on a lot of things the first time he went. He didn't see everything. So I was really pumped. I made them this really long guide. I spent four hours on it of like places to go. And I even in Google Maps, I did an itinerary of all the different places so that they could just see where everything was in relation to where they are. I even put their hotel on it. And so they could see where that was. And then all they'd have to do was, you know, click on the little pin in Google Maps, and then that would be the place. And then they could just do directions to that place. Right. And of course, when I, they got home, I asked them, you know, did you end up using anything I sent you? And what do you think the answer was? The answer was, nope, we didn't. And so I was pretty bummed about that. But you know what? For what they get missed out on, this could be something that you can take advantage of now because it is all done. So if you want a travel itinerary of the places you can go, basically a travel itinerary of literally everything I just said, if you want notes on it all, if you want the Google Maps, so you have all these different pins of the places to see food places to eat. I put all of the major uh, like Pret-a-Manger's in the Google Maps so you can see where they are in relation to all these restaurants I just mentioned are all in the Google Maps as well. I even added eight other restaurants that I didn't go to, but I thought would be cool options. Those are in there. So if you want that, just send me an email and I will send you the links. No questions asked. You don't have to pay for it. I will just give it to you and you'll have access to that. So Email Hancock at gmail.com, Instagram Hancock, and please subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. I would love that. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Please, please, please contact me if you have questions. Like I said, a thousand bucks, right? Give or take maybe 900 or so for a one week trip to London in March. If you're looking to go somewhere by yourself, that's going to be it for the episode. Everyone have a great week. I will see everyone next Monday. Thank you guys for listening.